Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to The Kelly Green Show. This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Bunch of underdogs. And you know what an underdog is? It's a hungry dog. Hungry dogs run faster. Here's your host, Football Kelly. As I was getting ready for bed the other night, I heard a little voice from somewhere saying, thank you, thank you. I looked around and then quickly realized, oh yeah, I manscaped earlier in the day. And now you can too by taking advantage of this promotion from a company that has created everything a gentleman needs to ensure a comfortable and clean existence for your family jewels. Just go to the website, www.manscaped.com, and enter the promo code GOBIRDS. That's G-O-B-I-R-D-S, all capital letters, to receive 20% off your order. Manscaped has become a sponsor of the various podcasts on Eagles Unfiltered and sent a sample order for me to try at home. And I have to admit, I was a little skeptical and a bit nervous to give it a try. But I did, and I'm glad I did, and so is my wife. They have an assortment of trimmers and lotions to keep those jewels feeling fresh all day long and into the night as well. But that's not all they have. They have performance-fitting briefs and t-shirts with their slogan, Your Balls Will Thank You, and much more. So just check out the website, www.manscape.com, and enter that promo code, GOBIRDS, and receive 20% off your order. With the holidays right around the corner, men, treat yourself. Ladies, treat your man. I promise you, you won't be sorry you did. And remember, if you hear that little voice saying, thank you, remember to say, you're welcome. Welcome back to the Kelly Green Show. I am your host, Football Kelly. This season, I've been speaking with well-informed people who are fans or cover the opponents in a segment I like to call Know Your Enemy. On a short week with Thursday Night Football against the Bucks, I was not able to get somebody to commit to doing that. in a So in a change of pace... This week, I'm actually going to be speaking to a very smart Eagles fan to discuss a comeback win and talk about this upcoming matchup against Brady himself. Bill Stifle is the host of the Trending for Four Quarter show and part of the DSM media team focusing on Philadelphia sports. I had the privilege of discussing the Eagles with him on the offseason, and he was nice enough to say yes to be my guest this time around. How are you doing, Phil? Well, first off, thank you for inviting me on. I mean, it's an honor with the list of guests that you've had on your show. The fact that you wanted me, I mean, either you're taking a step down or or, or I'm doing something right. Because I've also never heard anybody call me smart and informed. I mean, you are. You are. (laughs) I, I love it. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I try to gauge what's going on with the team and really kind of dig into why something's working, why something's not working. You do that very well. And I think, you know, always a compelling, uh, you know, content creator. I think that's why there's so many of us for the Eagles fan base that really have an interest in creating a different lane from the others that are out there. And, and you're definitely doing that with your show. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's kind of dive into I, I the first win of the season. I kind of am regretful that I didn't take full advantage of really en- embracing and enjoying because it was week one against the Falcons. People were downplaying it, saying, oh, you know, it's just the Falcons, just the Falcons. The Falcons have won a couple games since they played us, so they're not the worst team in the league, um, as I had been initially told, you know, they were. Um, They have the same record as us, actually. Um, So when you look at the picture, as it starts to get clearer, You know, we're going into a short week against Brady. Of course, everybody's going to start focusing on that pretty fast. But we got a win in Carolina in a comeback. How are you feeling after, you know, the ups and downs of that game? Well, so again, and I always say that I I do a post-game show right after every Eagles game on DSM Media. And that's more of like the overreaction and the emotion is still involved. And I always say I like to let a couple days go by after a game so I can really fairly evaluate what I felt and what I saw and, and what happened in the game. And, you know, on Sunday, obviously, after the win over the, over the Panthers, you know, the come from behind and all, I was super excited, maybe a little over the top, maybe a little too, too positive about it. But let's be honest, when we look at it, I mean, you said the Falcons aren't too, too bad of a team. They've got a couple wins. You know, the Carolina, they started out 3-0. and they really didn't beat anybody like super great. And, you know, they're missing Christian McCaffrey. They had a couple injuries on defense. It's not like we beat a Super Bowl contender. And while I have a lot of positives I take from that game, on the flip side of the equation, you have to take them with a grain of salt because they're two teams that are not, you know, not there yet that we're playing each other. So it's not like we beat Tampa, you know, or Kansas City. We, we beat Carolina. So we, we, we've kind of got to accept – and just look at the positives, where we can grow and learn about this team. And there were a few players that stuck out to me and, you know, and go from there, but also on the flip side of the equation, don't be afraid to find the, the, the negative points of our game, even though we won, it's not being overly critical or harsh. It's just being realistic with the situation. You hear Devonte Smith, you hear Jalen hurts uh, after that game, really praising the, the defense. And then also, you know, you constantly will hear these guys saying, you know, I don't really focus on the positives. I focus on the negatives. So it's a lot of like what you're saying here, where, yes, there's a lot to be happy about with the win, but you have to embrace the fact that there was a lot of struggles too. And you have to learn from those struggles because that's where you start to build and stack, you know, positives and, and be able to show against a better opponent coming up against the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the actual Super Bowl reigning champions, you need, you need to be able to execute and not make those mistakes early on in the game and not, you know, continue to try a philosophy that's not executing well against that defense. So you really have to think that 
on a short week. They're not going to overthink it. They're going to try to build off of the positives from that win against the, the Panthers. And I'm hopeful that we'll see growth. And that's what I say every week. I, I really believe that this is a young team that's developing and that there's going to be ups and downs from it. So expectations should be minimal, but it should be something where you say, I saw something that I really liked in that player. I really have a lot of, um, you know, hopes and, and beliefs that this kid's going to be a really good player. I think we've seen that from Devontae Smith. Jalen Hurts really stood out to me as like a gamer in that game. I mean, he really battled back uh, from a shaky start. I think the game plan set him up a little bit to, you know, limit him in some ways. And I don't know if you know, it's more of a Sirianni problem or a Jalen Hurts problem when it comes to the execution in the first half of that game. What What did you look at when you said, you know, this isn't working? Did you look more so at the sidelines and the play calling or did you look at Jalen Hurts and maybe his ability to execute on the field? So obviously, I mean, everybody's talking about it to death, the play calling. And, and I've been talking about it since before the season even started. You know, Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, the leader of men, the leader of the locker room, the leaders in practice, you know, I buy in 110% that they're great at that, but does it translate to wins on the field? And you use the term Jalen Hurts being a gamer. And, and I saw an interesting tweet and I kind of forget who, uh, which reporter put it out there today. Will Jalen Hurts' talent catch up to his leaderships and heart and and guts on the field. And that's what we got to learn. The other thing I talk about all the time is we have Jalen Hurts. We've got Devontae Smith. We've got others like Quez Watkins or Jalen Reger. Say whatever you want to say about them, good or bad. But how can we really properly get a judgment on these guys if Nick Sirianni can't put together a good game plan? If Nick Sirianni's calling the wrong place? I mean, let's be honest. Miles Sanders, he's got 48 rushes on the season in five games. You know, he's got, what, 10 total in the last two games combined? You know, Miles Sanders, the last couple of weeks, we went up against terrible run defenses. You know, the Cowboys can't stop the run. The Panthers can't. And we just choose not to run the ball. And I, I can't listen to Nick Sirianni talk any more about counting RPOs as run plays. You need to take that decision out of Jalen Hurts' hand. You got to call straight runs or straight passes. That way you're, you're simplifying it a little bit more for Jalen Hurts so we can get a better judge on what Jalen Hurts is big picture. You know, and, and I, I was kind of doing some research on stats of the Buccaneers, you know, before we, we came on the air here. And I just have this weird feeling that this will be the week that Nick Sirianni decides to run the ball. I mean, they, they've given up here. here there are five games so far this year. I'm going to list them in order. Week one, Cowboys, 60 rushing yards. And they have Zeke Elliott. Falcons, 55. The Rams, 76. The Patriots got minus one rushing yards against them. And then 39 last week against the Dolphins. This is going to be the week that he does it, which is not smart but you know it's like I, I i worry about nick sirianni's game planning his play calling and his ability to to manage on the fly and make adjustments because he obviously had an rpo pass heavy game plan this week against the panthers and it wasn't working for even though we won the game if you look at it we lost we we, we missed out on multiple opportunities to score in this game you know the panthers played their worst game of the season offensively and defensively so we should have easily been able to put up 28, 31, 32 points against, you know, the Panthers based off of the way they played. But, but 
But Nick Sirianni, he, he he didn't make the adjustments and he didn't he didn't call the game to really you know attack the weaknesses of that Carolina Panthers. And that just seems to be a common thread week in and week out that Sirianni is so stubborn and stuck on this is what we want to do this week. And I don't care what happens on the field. We're going to stick to it. I want to feel completely like inspired by his decision-making. Like I want to really come out and give fans like the works and, and, you know, he's got playmakers. Like people talk about the roster lacking talent. And I look at guys like Gainwell coming in and instantly, you know, making plays and Watkins, who's uh, a late round pick. He's one of the fastest players in the league right now. He's creating plays downfield. You know, you've got these, these talented weapons that are maybe le- lesser known, but they are weapons nonetheless. And you have to think that if a guy is an offensive mind, he's going to create these opportunities to, you know, use his two tight ends that were probably one of the better duos in the league. He's going to use his two first round pick, you know, back to back year wide receivers and in, in different elements. And as a wide receiver himself, he should have these right. in my mind. I thought coming into the season he would have a lot more ingenuity, a little bit of creativeness when it came to the wide receivers. And it just seems like it has been lacking. And then on top of it, completely, as you said, completely ignoring the physicality of the run game. And it almost is like the offensive line is just wearing themselves out because you got you got to pass block is so much harder for an offensive lineman than run blocking. I'll preach, preach. I say that every single week. And so you got to think that like Kelsey's like, come on, man. Like I'm getting up there in the age. Like, can you give me a break and let us, you know, move some guys and get down the field? Like, let's just, you know, stop with the throwing all the time and, and, you know, create a lane for, for Miles Sanders have him cut through the middle. Now, as as a part of all of this, you know, we have to talk about Miles Sanders because he had some boneheaded plays during the end of that game where you're like, why are you running out of bounds? Twice it happened at the end of the game. And you're like, you're killing us, dude. Like, just stay in bounds. But th- that's actually something that really, really impressed me because the one thing I've been preaching about, because if we're, if we're honest, this team has been undisciplined since week one. Penalties, not just penalties, stupid penalties. And we've had four or five touchdowns called back. And, and, right. and Nick Sirianni preaches that he holds these players accountable. But what does he do? He, he just keeps trotting them out there. Dark Barnett, I know we've got injuries, but every penalty, he never sits them down. And, and I always believe in all sports, you got to hold your players, whether they're making $100 million or $10, equally accountable. And I always talk about there was a game two years ago that Ben Simmons had nine turnovers in the first half. And Brett Brown just let him keep going out there. And we ended up losing the game by a couple points. But he ended up putting out like eight more turnovers in the second half. That was a point to hold him accountable to be better. Nick Sirianni actually did that when he pulled Miles Sanders after making the second mistake. So that was kind of, you know, you talked about Nick Sirianni wanting him to inspire you play calling. He already inspires me when he's talking in the press conferences, when you watch the highlights out of practice and how he's coaching up these players, these young players. Well, I want to be inspired with his play calling also and also him following through with what he's saying during the week. And that was yeah, the first time that we actually saw him 
hold somebody accountable. Because honestly, those two stepping out of bounds there from Miles Sanders could have cost us a game. That could have easily. I think I think Kenneth Gainwell got a first down on the next on the next play, and that's that sealed the deal. But it could have easily cost us the game there. So you know, it was a it was a little tiny part of the game there, him pulling Miles Sanders. But it was the first time I actually saw him follow through with something he talks about regularly during the weekend in his press conferences. What do you make of Miles Sanders having such a little portion of this offense? I'm- I have. No idea what to make. Is there something? Is there something we don't know? Like that? It just feels like something we don't know because it. I mean, if if you if if you go back to training camp and and you go back to you know the the preseason games and stuff like that, you know you still heard. You know, last year we felt that Miles Sanders regressed. He was dropping balls out of the backfield. You know the offense, but maybe it was an excuse that the offense wasn't right and and whatnot. This year we we hear about it in actually in camp, which it surprised me that he's only got two targets and two catches and no rushes. All we heard about during camp was that Boston Scott was a standout and that, that Nick Sirianni loved him. So I'm like, all right, well, we maybe we'll see some more running, but it'll be more of a split back between Miles, you know, Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell, like a little three-headed monster, like, like we used to have with, uh, I forget, Charlie Garner, Vaughn Hebron, and I forget the other guy, uh, Thunder and Lightning, back then in the, the late 90s there. Um, you know, I thought we would see some of that. But Nick Sirianni is just so dead set on his plan here. You know, if you don't want to run Miles Sanders, you talk about Quez Watkins being one of the fastest guys. Where's the jet sweep with with Quez Watkins? We have one wide receiver. I mean, Devontae Smith and Jalen Reger actually is faster than Quez Watkins because of how bad of a season he's having and all the mistakes he's having. People forget how fast Jalen Reger. That's his actually his one major skill trait, not his hands or his route running. It's his speed. He was actually clocked as the second fastest player in the NFL last week on that one long punt return. I think he clocked in at almost 22, 23 miles an hour. Yeah, so I he think he's actually faster. Problem is he doesn't do anything else well. So so where's the jet sweeps? Where Where's the motion in the backfield from these wide receivers to confuse the defenses? You know, Nick Sirianni's game plan is basically RPO, RPO, RPO. And I always say it, a run pass option or even a play action means nothing to the defense. If you're not actually running the ball, they, they don't right. have to worry about covering Miles Sanders or Kenneth Gainwell if you're not running the ball. And this is probably where it's going to be true this week. You know, like you were saying, like the Bucks really don't have anybody running against them this year. So it's definitely going to happen this week just because. And they're going to have no yards. And, and, and Nick Sirianni is going to be like, see, I told you we can't run the ball. But you said it before. This offensive <laughs> yeah, yeah, line yeah. is built to run block. Any offensive yeah, so- line, especially a struggling, inexperienced offensive line. Every person I've interviewed, Trey Thomas, Jeremy Bridges, you know, Ross Tucker, multiple offensive, former offensive linemen in the league. They all say it's so much easier to go forward than it is to go back. And they want to go forward and hit those guys than pass block. So I don't understand why they're, you know, they're not doing it more, especially this week when you had Mylotta, you know, coming back and playing left tackle and Mylotta moving to right tackle and Andre Dillard at left tackle. You know, you got these guys that are either, you know, shaky on their confidence, coming back from injuries, and you're dropping back and throwing a million times a game. It, it, it just makes no sense. And that's where Nick Sirianni lacks that inspiration in me because he just won't see what's clearly in front of him. I think fear is you go up against this incredible, massive offense coming up this week. And so on top of the offensive struggles that we've kind of addressed 
even in the win against the Panthers, the concerns we have going forward, you also worry anytime the defense plays a really high-powered offense, they can't stop it for the life of them. So my concern is we're going into another primetime game. It's one of our only other primetime games this season where we might just be completely embarrassed like we were against the Cowboys on Monday night. It's, it's, it's very possible. I mean, the Buccaneers are obviously super, super high-powered. But our defense did turn a slight corner last week. Let, let's be honest. They played really well. Again, Carolina did not have Christian McCaffrey. So that is obviously you know, part of the equation. They still got DJ Moore, a top-tier wide receiver. You know, they still have – I mean, they were still able to put up 158 rushing yards against us or 150 rushing yards against us. So, you know, you know the, the Panthers aren't awful, but they weren't great. I, I just worry about not being able to stop them because I, I could see us holding the Buccaneers to 25, 30 points potentially. I'm not saying they will, but potentially. But can the offense keep up with the defense? And that that's the problem. The offense was able to keep up with the Panthers, you know, offense. But can they keep – they couldn't keep up with the Chiefs. They couldn't keep up with the Cowboys. But that was just a god-awful game all around. You know, can they keep up with them? And, and that's that's the big concern. Because let's let's face it, the the Buccaneers defense, their front four is fantastic. You know, they don't give up rush plays for a reason. They get a lot of sacks and a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So Nick Sirianni's got his game plan. But on the flip side, you know, we'll have to see if last week against the Panthers was an anomaly for Jonathan Gannon or not, whether that was progress or just a one-off. From my previous segment with uh, Skylar Callahan, who covers the Panthers, that their O-line was in shambles. Like, Mm -hmm. it was evident that Sam Darnold was uncomfortable and we Mm -hmm. that pocket and made him feel the pass rush last week. So I don't see the Buccaneers O-line being a weakness for them. And Tom Brady, I don't know if you've gotten to see some of the video from him against the Dolphins, but he was standing there with plenty of time against what is – the, Dolph- the Dolphins are a pretty damn bad team as well. I saw well, the Dolphins so. like a potentially decent pass rush. They-, they were trying their hardest to get to him, and they could not. He threw for over 400 yards with a busted up thumb or finger or whatever it was on his throwing hand. So Tom yeah. Brady, I mean, Tom Brady, he's, he's the GOAT for a reason. He's the greatest quarterback of all time for a reason. But he's also got three Pro Bowl-level wide receivers. Gronkowski's probably going to miss his third game again this week, but he still has two viable tight ends behind that. In O.J. Howard and uh, Cameron Brait. You know, they got Leonard Fournette, who's a former top 10 pick in the NFL. You know, they just have studs everywhere on that offense. So even if Tom Brady is playing not as good as, you know, the stats say, it's he, the stats say he's playing good because he's got so much. I don't think he's ever had a team around him with this much talent. I mean, A.J. And that's what's terrifying. Brown's his third best wide receiver. Third best wide receiver. And he and he's he's put up two touchdowns last week. So it's really crazy to see, you know, how great this team offensively is in all facets of the game. Yeah, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about that Miami game, because it is what Tom Brady's coming off of. Tom Brady passing under pressure against the Miami defense, five and seven, 106 yards and two touchdowns. He was able to create 100 yards in passing offense and two touchdowns. 
He was lights out in that game under pressure. Then on top of it, the Bucks have scored at least 45 points five times in 21 games with Tom Brady. And the Bucks scored 45 points five times in 44 seasons before Brady arrived. He is playing his best football yet. And he is coming into Philadelphia. I'm sure he remembers that Super Bowl that we took from him in the middle of the two that he uh, got with the Patriots. He is banged up a little bit. You know, you, you mentioned the right thumb. What are you expecting from Brady when he comes to town? Well, for, I mean, the fact that Tom Brady's, what, 400 years old and he's still setting personal records. I mean, 400. <laughs> it's the first time in his career he's thrown for 400 plus yards and five touchdowns. I mean, I'm 40 and I can barely get out of the chair that I'm recording this podcast on right now. Yeah, when we're done here, I'm going to I'm going to struggle to stand up. And he's out there throwing 400 yards. It it boggles my mind. The one thing I talked about before last week's game and after last week's game is the is the front four getting home. You know, they have put pressure on the quarterback this year, you know, in all the games, the Eagles front four. They just haven't gotten home and gotten the sacks. They've let quarterbacks slip out of their grips and complete a pass downfield. And so the defensive front four, for as good as Javon Hargrave has played, the rest of the guys, they just need to be a little bit better. Miami, I mean, Miami's defense is not that great, let's be honest. So Tom Brady putting up those numbers and, and, and putting up good numbers under pressure, I mean, he's the GOAT for a reason, but the Eagles front four, I think, is a little bit better than the Dolphins. So, you know, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, you know, just not late have to get home. When they put that pressure on the quarterback, Derek Barnett, I think, was fourth or fifth in the league last last week in putting pressure on the quarterback in passing plays. But he didn't have a sack because he just doesn't get all the way there. So the front four needs to get home. And that's the thing. If they can get home, if they could sack Tom Brady a few times, if they can hit him a few times, we have seen in previous years that if you hit Tom Brady enough times, it rattles them in the middle of the game a little bit. You know, if it's a close game at the end of the game, the money's on the line. Tom Brady's going to find a way to dig deep. But in that middle of the game where you could separate yourself, if you, you start banging him up a little bit, you might be able to rattle him and keep this game at least close. Because, you know, we're not going to call it keys to victory. We'll call it keys to keeping it competitive. I am so in agreement with what you just said. But there are two other things that I really need to see from this defense for the game to be competitive on Thursday night. I need to see the defense continue to be able to create turnovers. Uh, Finally started to see some interceptions from our cornerbacks. It felt like it had been forever since we started seeing uh, interceptions from our cornerbacks. I need to see that continue. And I also need to see our defense play clean. We can't have these you know, stupid penalties that cost us, you know, getting off the field because Tom Brady will make you pay. And we have to clean up these penalties for offensive side and defensive, but specifically when it comes to the defensive side, you can't give Brady any extra yardage. We need to play smart. We need to come out sharp. Absolutely agree with you. I mean, I'm I'm looking at their team stats and rankings right now. I mean, the Buccaneers are the number one ranked rushing defense, okay? They're the 30th ranked, 26th to 30th, 26th in yardage ranked rushing offense. They're the number one ranked passing offense, and they're 32nd ranked passing defense. So I think that pretty much sums it up. If we could slow down 
their passing attack a little bit, just slow it down a little bit. The defensive backs on the Buccaneers are just bad enough where Jalen Hurts will have time to throw. Jalen Hurts will have time to, you know, maybe get Quez Watkins downfield. But on the flip side of the equation, you said turnovers. It's, it's all on the turnovers. And Tom Brady doesn't turn the ball over. He's got two interceptions only on the season. They don't fumble the ball much. So I don't know if we can expect them to win the turnover battle, per se, the Eagles. But if they can keep it even at least – and not give up more turnovers than the Buccaneers do, then then we stand a chance to stay in this game. How do you feel about Jalen Hurts in a shootout situation? Maybe not against Tom Brady, but like yeah. in a shootout situation, how are you feeling about him having to be in that type of game? If the whole game's a shootout at this moment, I am not overly confident. I won't lie. I love Jalen Hurts. I loved him the moment we drafted him. Um, even though I was a big Carson Wentz fan, I just love Jalen Hurts because I followed him at Alabama, at Oklahoma, and just his never give up attitude. So I actually prefer to see Jalen Hurts, you know, with the game on the line at the end of the game. There I have confidence in him. But in a shootout, it's it's just not necessarily like I write down, like I I said it last week and I said it against the Cowboys. When I make my my game predictions, it's like, you know, how I, I always say, how much will the opponent score first? And then I say, can the Eagles keep up? And, and honestly, the, the Buccaneers could easily put up 35 against us, easily. Can Jalen Hurts put up 31 to 35 points? It's really hard to imagine that with the way Nick Sirianni runs this offense in the game. Well, let's be fair. The Buccaneers are dealing with several injuries on their defensive side. And as you were talking about, their passing offense or defense is not that hot. Absolutely. So they almost make it easier for a shootout situation by having such a poor passing defense. All right, but let, 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 let's look at the Eagles' offensive total so far. So they put up 32 against the Falcons, okay? And the Falcons, again, not they're not bad. They're not great, whatever. They were only able to put up 11 against the 49ers, 20 once against the Cowboys, and that game was just a train wreck. The Chiefs, they put up 30 against the Chiefs. A lot of that was in garbage time. But they put up 30 against the Chiefs, and I would think the Buccaneers' offense is a little bit better than the Chiefs. And they couldn't keep the Chiefs under 40 points. So I just kind of look at it like that. Look, I'm a big Jalen Hurts fan. I'm a big Jalen Hurts supporter. I want to see him do well. I want him to be the quarterback of the future because I want to use our draft picks next year you know, to, to, to fix the other needs on this team, the defense, you know, linebackers, safety, whatever it may be. So I want to see him do well. I just don't think this is the week that he puts up those big numbers. But I've been banging hard against the fact that we were going to be two and five after the first seven weeks of the season. We're two and three right now. Honestly, we could end up winning three of the first seven games because the Raiders are a train wreck with that whole situation. But then after this week against the Buccaneers, if you look at the schedule, you got the Raiders, the Lions, the Chargers, the Broncos, the Saints. Then you go to the Giants, Jets, Washington, Giants, Washington. I mean, you've got literally four or five straight games there, all winnable. So I'm not even concerned if they can win a shootout against the Buccaneers. I just want to continue to see the progress so that going later in this season, we can actually start to maybe see those steps forward and see the results of that. Absolutely. One more player I wanted to kind of address with you because there is some new uh, information this at the point of this recording. Uh, Ertz was has not impressed me this season. I'm I'm just gonna say that. Yeah. I am a big Ertz supporter, but he has not 
played his best games at all. With the potential of Dallas Goddard now not being able to play because he's now on the COVID list, we need Ertz to step up in a big way on Thursday night. What, like, what are you thinking about the whole situation? Well, first off, yeah, the whole missing out on Dallas Goddard on Thursday night, most likely, um, it's it's a huge loss. But on the flip side of the equation, if you look at it, Zach Ertz has six more targets than Dallas Goddard. Okay, so Zach Ertz has been targeted 25 times to 19 from Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard has more catches and more yards. So Jalen Hurts needs to, when Dallas gets back in there, be, be eyeing up Dallas a little bit more than Zach Ertz. Last game, he had one catch out of seven targets, Zach Ertz. One out of seven. Some of them weren't perfect throws. Some of them he was covered tight on. But you got to make some more catches and do, do a little bit more. You know, everyone talks about uh, Arizona lost their tight end for the season uh, this past weekend. Why would Arizona call that for Zach Ertz? Zach Ertz has done nothing. He had the opportunity after last year's poor performance and injuries and bad attitude, whatever you want to call it, to come out this year since he was still on the team, prove that he was somewhat of the former self that he was, and, and then maybe get moved on to a contender, which I'm sure he wants to play for a contender at this point in his career. But he's done nothing to help himself. 14 catches out of 25 targets, 160 yards. That's not good. Not good at all. So, you know, it kind of frustrates me because we could use the opportunity to move him. Um, they, they brought back the guy that they drafted last year. I forget his, how to say his name, so I'm not going to try to butcher it to the practice squad this week. Uh, I'm terrible. I could barely say Zach Ertz. Um, <laughs> so, you know, if we could find a way to trade Zach Ertz, great. But unfortunately, he's not performing to a level where any team is going to offer you, you know, last year before he started stinking it up and playing poorly and having the attitude that he did, you know, there was talks of a third round draft pick for him, a second round draft pick for him. Now you'd be lucky to get a fifth or sixth round draft pick for Zach Ertz at this point. So, you know, he really, this, this game, this Thursday night game, if Dallas Goddard doesn't play, which it seems like he's not, this is his game. This is his moment to show that he's still somewhat a shell of himself. And, and showcase for the rest of the NFL. Because honestly, if, if he's still on the team past the trade deadline and still performing to this level, I, I want to see the kid. I want to see all the kids playing. I don't, I don't want to see any of the veteran older guys that aren't going to be here, you know, in the next year or two playing. I, I want to see the kids. So Zach Ertz needs to do something to help this team, but also help himself. Yeah, I mean, I was really upset to hear that Dallas is uh, on the COVID list because Levante David is out for this game and you know the one part of the field you really want to be able to hurt a defense that's dealing with a linebacker who's very very talented you know being out on the field is tight end like you want to attack the middle of the field with that position I thought Dallas would have a crazy game of course I have him in fantasy so I was even more upset about that too had to pick up a backup tight end for you know this coming week but all in all, I'm thinking, you know, if there's ever an opportunity for Ertz to show that he is still a tight end one, he's got to do it this week. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think we touched base on a lot of these guys. I think there's a lot to build off of. The character of this team is starting to come together. They're battling together. Love to see that positive uh, reinforcement, getting that win. Uh, in Carolina, 
it was a fun day to at least enjoy a victory Monday after so many sad Mondays where you didn't really want to talk about it. So we're moving forward into a potentially very difficult game. Really appreciate your insights, Phil. Where can people go to listen to uh, what you've got going on and follow you on social media? Absolutely. You can follow me on Twitter at Beard Knowledge. But of course, make sure you're following our DSM media team at DSM underscore media. I'll be live tomorrow night on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Um, I've got a really special guest. I've interviewed him before on other networks, but I love this guy. Um, he's, he's, he's part of a legendary Eagles family and football family. He's the nephew of Buddy Ryan, uh, Buddy Walters. Um, he runs his own talent agency and, and, and athletes agency where he you know, gets these football players on teams. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he's cousins with you know, Rob Ryan and Rex Ryan. Um, and, and I just love talking football with him because the guy's a, the guy's been grown up around football. And, and, and the last time I interviewed him, we were talking about what Thanksgiving dinners were like, you know, back in the day, you know, with all these football minds together. So I'm really looking forward to that interview because on the flip side of the equation, you know, I'm going to ask him about Miles Sanders. You brought him up. I mean, he's coming close to the end of his rookie deal. He's not getting the touches. He's not performing. How does the agent handle talking to a guy like Miles Sanders? Or to a guy like Jalen Hurts, who the Eagles have not, you know, for sure said, you are our guy going forward. How the, the, the role the agent plays in that mental aspect of the player. So that's what we're going to be touching on tomorrow night. Sounds great. Uh, this episode is going to be airing before that um, on. <laughs> oh, I guess I should have asked that. <laughs> so, people, so people who are listening will know that it is happening tonight, uh, just for their sake. Um, listeners, please definitely go check out the work that Phil is doing. Love Eagles fans and the content we're all putting out. It's really great community. And I think a lot of people are working really hard to come together and talk about the things that we care about hearing about. I mean, think, I think sports radio has kind of gotten a little stale and we're, we're trying to create a new path here. So if you enjoy listening to uh, what we have going on, please uh, feel free to tell your friends about it and be sure to subscribe to the Eagles Unfiltered podcast for future episodes of the Kelly Green Show and fly Eagles fly. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.